because the president is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be. The Bob France Authority, keeping you politically coherent. On AM 1420, The Answer. All right, hour number two is underway now, a little bit early at five minutes past 10 o'clock. We did this to accommodate the schedule of our next guest. I told you we were loaded up today, and we really have so many important things to talk about here. We've got to make sure that we get these folks on. Uh, we are joined now by another uh, member of the of the um, uh, uh, Republican con- Congressional Republicans, is I guess what I'm trying to say. You know who he is. He's Representative Warren Davidson, Ohio 8. Joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer, with reaction to a number of things, including... An extraordinarily underwhelming jobs report released earlier this morning. Representative Davidson, good to have you on the air here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Yeah, great to join you today. Good to talk to you as well. Not good news uh, at 8.30 this morning when we got the number, 210,000 jobs created in the month of November, one of the weakest performances in the 11 months or 12 months now of the uh, Biden presidency. What do you make of these these low numbers when we are constantly hearing about all of the jobs that are available because you know companies and small businesses in particular can't find workers? Yeah, and I think that what the administration will tout that the uh, unemployment rate's only 4.2%, uh, but that's the wrong number. The, the workforce participation rate is less than 62%. So we've, long, we've, we've still got over uh, 3 million people that haven't returned to work. So if you look at the number of people who were working prior to COVID-19, uh, we should be at or above that point uh, right now to, to, quote, get back to normal. Uh, but we're clearly not there. And when you parse that out by age groups, uh, there are a lot of people that aren't coming back because a number of people took early retirements or people that were already above 65 just said, you know, I'm, I'm done working. Why do you think that is? And how are people able to get by with that? And I know during most of the pandemic in 2020, we know why, because of the you know expansion of the unemployment uh, insurance benefits, uh, the supplementals that were offered, and all kinds of free money to, to supplement people when they couldn't work because non-essential businesses were closed down and locked down. I get it during that period of time, but to my understanding, those are pretty much all done now. So unless people saved their money and are living on it for a long time uh, to come, how are people getting by without having jobs yeah great question so you know uh, uh, you highlight real real well there you know when you pay people not to work oddly enough a lot of them don't work uh <laughs> and you know we still have a kind of extended range on unemployment right now normally it would expire in a in a reasonable period now people are still able to stay on it though not with the bonus rates uh of, of unemployment i think when you look at um what are people uh doing to uh for, for income, uh, a lot of people are getting by on on less, uh, and that's why the inflation uh, is concerning. I mean, you know, most everyone's noticed whether you call it inflation or your your paycheck doesn't go as far, things cost more. Uh, however, people think about it, uh, they're having a harder time uh, making ends meet uh, as prices are going up, and that's why the economy really does concern a lot of people. And you know, people have responded by saving. Uh, because there's uncertainty if they save, uh, you know, of course, that ultimately produces a contraction in the economy, and that's the fear. 
You know what's interesting? We're talking to Representative Warren Davidson as, uh, you know, Biden's uh, touting of his successes with the economy include the fastest job growth in the history of, uh, of the country in the first, you know, 10 months, 11 months or whatever of a presidency. And of course, we all know the reality when you take people's jobs away from them by locking everything down and then tell them they're allowed to go back to work and millions of people do, you don't get credit for quote, new job creation. But that's what he's taking. The reality, the, give me, give me your general consent or general uh, opinion if you would, Representative Davidson, on the state of the economy vis-a-vis the jobs you just described, and as well as inflation, which we have not talked about, what that's doing to to businesses, what that's doing to middle-class America that are seeing bigger bills no matter where they go, whether it's the grocery store or the furniture store uh, or anywhere else. They're seeing bigger bills. Can you give me your assessment of where where we are in that regard? Yeah, I mean, you highlight, you can't say you're growing the economy when uh, you close the economy and now you open it up and say, wow, look at all the growth, Yeah, you know, uh, and the same. You can't take credit for the uh, for the growth if you don't want to take credit for the destruction of it. Uh, and my point is you've destroyed three million jobs and they haven't been able to come back. Um, and look, the Biden administration wanted to take credit for reducing gas prices by two cents a gallon the other day, but they don't want to own the fact that gas is up 50%. Uh, and, and sure, people are driving more, but there's also decisions that make it almost uh, impossible to produce energy here in America. And meanwhile, he's groveling for energy uh, production from Saudi Arabia and Russia. So, um, you know, there, there are policy decisions. And that's the thing about inflation. It's not the result of you know, some contagion or some natural disaster like an earthquake or tornado or something, it's a result of policy decisions. So when you create, you look at the the, the money supply, M2, you put $6 trillion into the economy during COVID, um, how would there not be inflation? I mean, how, it's nearly vertical increase in the supply of money. Uh, that money goes somewhere, and where did it go? $6 trillion from the government didn't go to GDP, um, it largely went to inflate the value of assets. And, uh, you know, initially people are happy about that. They see their stock prices going up, and even then after a while you start looking, it's like, well, why is the stock market up so much, but Main Street isn't really fully recovered yet? Um, you know, that's a disconnect. Well, that's part of why. And then when commodity prices go higher, uh, I was talking with a steel company, uh, you know, company that makes parts that are made mostly out of metal, and they're like, you know, our metal prices are two to three times what they were, and, and that's the challenge. When you're a big, healthy company, they absorb it and they pass it through. When you're somewhere else down in the supply chain, it's hard to get the price increases through. Right. And you, when you go into banking, it becomes hard to get the support for lines of credit, for example, where you're you're not really structurally getting bigger profit margins or anything. You're just passing through the price of steel. So it doesn't spread as well. So people are in these conversations with their bankers. Right. just to be able to keep the business going. And I think that's the, the risk that you see to, to small and mid-market firms. And that's aside from that's all a- of the uh, things the Biden administration is imposing on them that make it hard to make things here in America. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great inside look at the way things really are with this economy. And I want to narrow scope here because I know you've got to get to a vote. So last thing, uh, I want to narrow scope down to the state of Ohio. Uh, I know I'm not the first to ask you this question, but I am going to be the most recent. Are you going to run for governor? You know, a good idea, poorly executed, is no longer a good idea. We've taken a hard look at it, uh, and, you know, we'll have news on that probably in the next two weeks. In the next two weeks. Okay. Any hints? You can give me anything? Just uh, Are we leaning, leaning toward or leaning against, or are you just going to play it down the middle? 
Look, all I can say, I am encouraged to see that Governor DeWine is now talking about his opposition to vaccine mandates. And I hope he does more things that line up with what Governor DeSantis has been doing in Florida while he's still in office. As you make your consideration on this, Representative Davidson, are you concerned at all uh, about two conservative-minded individuals trying to primary out Mike DeWine, yourself and Jim Renacci, would cancel each other out and allow Governor DeWine to keep his job? Yeah, I mean, that's a factor. You look at a, you look at a race, and uh, you, know, you, you have a clear contrast. I think I would say you'd have a, a very clear contrast between Governor DeWine and Warren Davidson. Um, and, you know, Jim Renacci's trying to make the case for how clear of a contrast there is there. He certainly sent a strong signal by picking a good conservative uh, lieutenant governor this week uh, to, to, to run with him in his campaign. All right. We'll leave it there for now. We'll, uh, we'll, uh, we're going to hold you to two weeks, though, if that's okay. I hope you don't mind us holding you to that, all right? Oh, certainly. <laughs> uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. All right. There he is. There's Warren Davidson. So by Christmas... Before Christmas, Warren Davidson will have an announcement. If I heard that correctly, we're going to be making a decision within the next two weeks. So today's the third. Check your calendars. Mark down December 17th. By December 17th, we should hear whether or not Warren Davidson, who has long been rumored to be in this race for governor, or to be considering uh, entering this race for governor, um, you know, he's been quiet. He's been very quiet, despite all of these rumors for the last few months. Jim Renacci's been in this thing for a while now, uh, has built up a tremendous ground game and a tremendous, uh, uh, you know, support base. Uh, Davidson has just been rumored but not doing anything. Now he's saying we'll have something to say within the next two weeks. So December 17th. Uh, well, we're going to be calling on December 16th, by the way. If we don't get an announcement by the 17th, we're going to be calling Warren Davidson's office again and saying, you got to come back on the air. And let's, uh, you told me I could hold you to two weeks. So I'm going to hold him to two weeks and get an announcement, yay or nay, from him. Hopefully, uh, 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 honor before that date. Okay, 1015. We'll take a time out here. Uh, obviously an early one because of our clock. We made a little bit of extra room there because of, uh, he had to be at a vote, I guess, at 1015, did Representative Davidson and his committee. So uh, we'll take our time out now, and we'll have finally a chance for phone calls between now and 1030. 216-901-0945, 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will bring you here. You can comment on any of the three interviews we've done already or comment on anything else that's on your mind. It is Friday, after all, so we'll do an open line segment here coming up. AM 1420. Okay, 1020 on the authority. Thanks for being with us. We have a chance for open phone lines now between now and 1030. Dial us up, 216-901-0945, either number. We've had three tremendous interviews already. If you missed any of them, uh, or if you just want to hear them again or share them, they're available at our uh, podcast page, whkradio.com. Go to the uh, local page, go to the po- podcast page, rather than go to locals and find the hour, hour number one, or, of course, just Warren Davidson and hour number two. That last question I asked him was the big one that everybody wants to know. Is Warren Davidson going to throw his hat into the gubernatorial ring? If you heard what I heard, by the way, um, I I heard Warren Davidson trying to separate himself from Jim Renacci as much as he was trying to separate himself from uh, Mike DeWine. 
I phrased my question to him that if two conservative guys both run to primary out Mike DeWine, what if they cancel themselves, or excuse me, cancel one another, and Mike DeWine keeps his job? And you may have heard the answer there from Warren Davidson. He said, well, I can guarantee you there's a strong contrast between uh, this conservative and Mike DeWine. And then he said, and Jim Renacci is trying to, uh, uh, what did he say, paint? He didn't say paint, trying to present himself as a conservative alternative, too. In other words, he's saying, I don't believe Renacci is as conservative as I am. I don't know if that Renacci is much of a, is much of a conservative that would cancel out votes for this conservative. That's what I heard from Warren Davidson. So you know what that means, that if he does enter the race, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly. They're going to share the same goal, and that is get Mike DeWine, a rhino squish, out of uh, Columbus. But in their zeal to do so, they're going to have to go after one another. Jim Renacci is trying to, uh, obviously, he's been on this from the very beginning and trying to tell everybody any of these rumors or any of this perception you have that I'm not conservative, that I'm somehow rhino like Mike DeWine is garbage. He has worked very, very hard to prove and discuss and describe what a true conservative is. And then Warren Davidson comes comes along and says, "Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm a definitely a conservative. There's a contrast there between me and Dewine, but Renacci, well, you know what? We'll see what happens." <laughs> he really clearly is trying to suggest that. Which, by the way, now I'm talking myself into thinking I know his answer. I'm talking myself into thinking on live radio that Warren Davidson is going to run. Otherwise, why would he have dropped that little dig in it uh, in at uh, Jim Renacci? If you heard it, you know what I meant. See if we can pull that back up to rerun that answer to that question, John and Marcy. If you heard it, you know what I mean. He threw a little dig at Jim Renacci saying he's not really that conservative. That means he knows he's going to have to compete with Jim Renacci to, for the anti-DeWine vote. If he wasn't going to run or is leaning against running, he would have felt no need to do that. He probably would have offered some strong words of, of, of support for and, and, and friendship with Jim Renacci. Instead, he took a little dig at him, which means he's going to be running against him. I think I just talked myself into thinking that Warren Davidson is getting into this race. I talked to Jim Renacci in hour number one. He's all in, obviously, and he is working very, very hard. Uh, Warren Davidson is not in, but I think we just got a little bit of a of a what do they call those an, an Easter egg? We just got an Easter egg there. We'll see what happens when we open it in two weeks. Uh, Joanne is in uh, Avon. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Joanne, go right ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to make you aware um, that uh, employees at Bristol Myers Squibb has, um, with the help of We the Patriots, is suing Bristol Myers Squibb over the vaccine mandate. Good for them. Good for them. Um, where is it in that process? Has that lawsuit been filed? It, the lawsuit was filed on Wednesday. Oh, wow. And, Very um, new. So it's on Wednesday, but the injunction, we hope, is going to take place today for about 2,000 um, employees of Bristol Myers Squibb, and maybe even up to 4,000 will be fired because we would not accept the um, mandate. And we're, um, we, the Patriots, is going at it at this because of our religious rights that um, BMS did, was asking all these absurd things of people in the religion, like, mm-hmm. do, do you ever smoke tobacco or consume alcohol or take recreational drugs or receive tattoos? And they also sent out, like, this attestation of drugs that were 
that they said they claimed were developed from fetal cell tissues, which they weren't. I mean, aspirin was developed in 1861, and it had nothing to do with fetal cell tissues. So they were really quite derogatory in their whole approach to this. Wow. Well, that's a that's an amazing uh, uh, story or a, develop, a development that's going on there. I certainly hope you are successful, and I hope you'll keep us posted. Have they responded, issued any kind of a response to the lawsuit, even just a kind of a, you know, a, 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 a quick uh, uh, indication of what they're going to do? No, they, they haven't. Um, I know okay. it went through the company like Wildfire yesterday, yeah. but they have not um, said anything. And again, this the injunction has to be um, issued by the end of the end of today, or else a lot of us are going to lose our job. Well, yeah, you know, uh, it costs a lot of money to fight a lawsuit. That's the reason I asked if they indicated, okay, it's on, you're all going to be fired, and then we'll have it out in court. Uh, oftentimes the best thing for a company to do in a case like that is to go ahead and put a, put a pause on it and halt to see if they can come to some understanding before they have to go into a courtroom over this. So uh, I certainly am glad you guys are fighting for your rights, and uh, and I hope you'll keep us posted, okay? I definitely will. Thank, Thank you, you so Joanne. much. Thank you. God bless. Uh, let's go to Olmstead Falls. Gary, you're on the air. Go ahead, Gary. Hey, Bob. Uh, long time no talk to you. How you been? I'm good, Gary. What's on your mind, my friend? All right. Uh, prediction. Uh, if Warren Davis runs, he's got to deal with uh, DeWine because there's, there's no reason for him, him to run. Uh, he, could, he couldn't win if he wanted to, and he split the vote with uh, Renacy. So, I, you know, it depends on whether he cut a deal with DeWine. I think he's he spoke very favorably. You say you hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying that he cut a deal with Dewine to get into this and then cancel things out with Renacy. If he cut a deal with Dewine, yeah, to run to split the vote with uh, you know Renacy, uh, that's the only way he's going to. But what what makes you think that he would be a Dewine supporter? Dewine is the farthest thing in the world from a conservative as a Republican governor. Well, he, Warren Davidson he, is pretty much a rock solid conservative. Why would he cut a deal with Mike Dewine in order to well, keep Dewine's said, job? He said something very favorably <laughs> about uh, uh, Mike Dewine being against the uh, mandates, and he made that very clear. That's. Yeah, but I, but I think, but Gary, I think maybe we heard it two different ways. But I think what he is saying is that Mike Dewine is trying now to appeal to conservatives by being against the mandates after a year and a half of ticking off his voters and conservative Republicans with the lockdowns and all of the other things he did. I thought he was trying to trying to say that good thing. I'm glad Mike Dewine is now doing this, opposing the mandates. But that's not who he really is. He's trying to play to the voters here. Well, I mean, that's still something nice that he said, in a way. No, no, but it's not. Yeah. He's calling him a hypocrite, Gary. You got to leave. I mean, again, you know, maybe maybe you're right and I'm wrong. If, yeah, if, what, I, if what I'm saying is true, he's calling him a hypocrite. He's not complimenting him. He's saying that Mike DeWine is finally doing the right thing now, but it's because he's facing a primary challenge in five months. You know, he's in he's, well, in, he's in trouble with the base of Republican voters that that helped elect him, and he knows there's a serious challenge here. So now he's doing the right thing. I don't think that's a compliment. Yeah, I think that's a that's an hypocrisy. And it was favorable, and uh, you know. But in any event, hey, listen. All right, all right that's fine. We'll disagree on that part. Hey, I, Gary, I got to run here. I appreciate the phone call. Let me hear that clip. Go ahead, John. 
As you make your consideration on this, Representative Davidson, are you concerned at all uh, about two conservative-minded individuals trying to primary out Mike DeWine, yourself and Jim Renacci, would cancel each other out and allow Governor DeWine to keep his job? Yeah, I mean, that's a factor. You look at a, you look at a race, and, uh, you know, you, you have a clear contrast. I think I would say you'd have a, a very clear contrast between Governor DeWine and Warren Davidson. Um, and, you know, Jim Renacci's trying to make the case for how clear of a contrast there is there. He certainly sent a strong signal by picking a good conservative uh, lieutenant governor this week uh, to, to, to run with him in his campaign. Okay, that was just the part about Renacci. Did we have the part about where he went on to talk about DeWine and being against the, the mandates? Because that's what the caller was just talking about. Do we have... All right, we probably can't do that now, though. It's already 1029. But you heard the dig that I was talking about there. He said, certainly there's a strong contrast between Warren Davidson and Mike DeWine. He said, and Jim Renacci's trying to make the case that there's a strong contrast there between him and Mike DeWine. But then did offer a little bit of a, a you know, a supportive statement saying he did, a, he did pick a uh, strong conservative uh, running mate this week. So, you know, I, I still think that the hint that I got there from Warren Davidson is that he's going to be in this thing and he's going to have to chop down Jim Renacci in order to get to Mike DeWine. Uh, and he's going to hope that the, that it will not split the vote because he said there's a clear contrast between uh, the two of them, between uh, Davidson and DeWine, but not necessarily between Renacci and DeWine. So we'll see how that comes out. He said he's going to have an announcement within two weeks. And I'm uh, like I said, I told him directly, I'm going to hold him to that. And we're going to be uh, filling up his phone line or his text messenger or his press secretary's email inbox to get him on the air to answer that question. Uh, since he t- said he uh, uh, he would be willing to be held to that two week time period. Okay, as far as the DeWine question, though, we'll we'll come back to that another time because we have to take a time out here at 10.30 for news. Then Christina Hagan will join us. Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative and one of our favorite commentators, will be with us uh, coming up on AM 1420. America, a wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1037 now. I told you we were loaded up, and I was not lying. So far this morning, we have talked to former congressman and now gubernatorial candidate Jim Renacci. We spoke uh, with, uh, in the 935-hour Senate candidate, former treasurer Josh Mandel. We spoke in the last half hour with uh, current congressman Warren Davidson. And now we are joined by former Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan, our regular Friday uh, contributor. And, Christina, it's good to have you. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm great, Bob. I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of that lineup. There were definitely a few good ones in there that I can appreciate. Um, and just excited to talk to you every week. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what's going on out there. Well, we were off last week. We didn't have a live show, so it's been a little bit since we spoke. And since the last time we spoke, we have found a new variant. How about that? Just when it seemed like oh, things were, were going our way, we're turning the corner, cases are down, we don't need all of this, um, uh, you know, all of this uh, fear-mongering going on until they decided, yeah, we do. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got a new variant. It was found in South, uh, uh, South Africa. We're going we're gonna to ban travel from South Africa. Oh, too late. It's already here in about four U.S. states already in a matter of days. Um, do you believe this? Christina Hagen, do you believe what they are telling us? Um, because I will tell you something. Somebody described the Omicron variant the best way. The best way I heard it was: uh, this is the vote by mail 2022 variant. 
Um, and, and, and I think there, I think there is some serious merit to that. Um, they're looking for something to keep us in a state of flux to the point where we can't return to regular elections and we're going to have the same style of elections we had in November of 2020, which of course led to massive voter fraud in the eyes of many. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're right on. Uh, unquestionably so. I mean, we were just too close to freedom, too close to normalcy, too close to knowing that they're full of crap. Um, but the reality is we're, we're not blind. Uh, we've lived through, we've personally experienced, we've made our own observations, we've studied the data, and we know that they've been less than forthright with us on every front. So I think Americans are going to look at this um, Omicron, Omicron, whatever you want to call it, made up, um, new uh, scare factor variants. Uh, the Delta was supposed to be heavier hitting than the original, and now this is supposed to be the, the end of time. Um, and, you know, we hear from the, direct, the doctor directly who discovered it in Africa, and it was, oh, you know, this is nothing to even be concerned of, you know, slight fatigue, body chills, that's it. Not worse than the former flu, which, you, it, if you remember, it wasn't long ago, not even a decade ago, that, you know, they were forcing the flu vaccine on every commercial, on TV, on the radio, um, at every drugstore, every, every place that you stopped, you could get your free flu vaccine. Um, well, we know nothing's free. Everything's paid for, subsidized by the government, by our tax dollars. We are paying the price of uh, materially through our wallets, but also physically through our bodies when we allow them to coerce us and force us into submission. And ultimately, if we allow for them to do this one more time, shame on us as Americans. And we cannot protect our electoral process if we allow for them to manipulate our elections in the next few short months with this huge wave of scare factor. I'm sitting here just looking at headlines. Unprecedented Omicron surge hitting under fives in South Africa. So now that, you know, the section is, it's disproportionately affecting youth. Okay, so they weren't able to convince us that we should put the shots in the arms of all of our kids, um, those that have been widespread through the country, many, many boosters. Um, now they want to scare us and say, you're going to have to, you know, vaccinate these under fives. It's crazy. They will do anything um, to make money and to impede our personal health and our liberties. I'm looking at just some of these other, it's all always a fear wave in the media, and we just have to reject it soundly, firmly, with zero participation. We are not masking up. We are going to go about our daily lives. We are going to be in school board meetings if anybody tries to impede our children's ability to have an education. We are not doing the stance again. Christina Hagan is our guest. Christina, um, given everything that you just said and given everything that we are all facing right now, I, I, I know for a fact, obviously, there are a lot of Americans who want to know very specifically what is in those uh, those shots. I won't call them vaccines. What is in those shots? What is what is the history of the development? Give us every specific piece of information you can about the development of these vac these uh, these toxins that they want to inject us with these experimental drug cocktails. And requests have been filed under FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. If the government is going to mandate these things, uh, this is a government you know this is a government uh, controlled product, even though they are made by private companies. And so under the Freedom of Information Act, we should be able to find out exactly every little thing about them that we, that we should be, you know, that we want to know before we decide to take them into our arms or put them into our children. Well, those FOIA requests were made, and I know you know the answer to this, so why don't you tell everybody um, when we can find out all of the information we want about these, uh, about these shots. 
Yeah, it's remarkable. Um, the, the FDA is asking to withhold COVID vaccine data for weight on it 55 years. That's how long us and our children and potentially our children's children will have to wait to know what they put in this cocktail that they put into our arms. We don't deserve to know. They, they, our own government, our own um, agencies intended to protect us, to keep us safe, are keeping information safe from us. So what does that tell you? I mean, to me, that is a red flag to stand still, ask questions, um, demand transparency. I, I served in committees where um, people need to know what was in hydraulic fracturing fluids that were going into the ground because they were concerned about um, their, their water tables. Why are people concerned about what they're putting directly in their bloodstream? You know, people were demanding, the same liberal activists were demanding to know the ingredients, the proprietary ingredients of frac fluid, and 95% of which was water. And they wanted to know what the other 5% was. Yet we, largely, Americans don't know 100% of what is being put into their arm. And what is obvious, what can be read by the plain eye, is very concerning. You know, levels of uh, toxins that we wouldn't eat in salmon or seafood in our uh, dietary guidelines on a weekly basis, we regularly put into our bodies via vaccine without asking questions. And then we wonder why we have autoimmune flare-ups and why we have hives and why we have all of these issues that we didn't have 5 and 10 and 15 years ago. So I think people need to start asking questions and demanding answers. Um, The same people that want to shop at Whole Foods. Um, and know that their food is not um, impeded in any way, need to ask the same rigorous questions about what we put into ours and our children's bodies. Why do you think it is, Christina, and I don't want to belabor this too much. There are other things to talk about, too, but but this is so incredibly, incredibly important. Why do you suppose it is that other countries are at least considering natural immunity among the statistics as far as those who are considered to be vaccinated and protected and in this country supposedly the most advanced country in the world uh we refuse to acknowledge basic science science that we learned in sixth grade we know what vaccinations are intended to do to inoculate you against um a a particular virus a particular disease that has already been been discovered they vaccinate you so that you um uh, so that you uh don't don't catch that disease don't become infected by it and if you you have and you are recovered your body produces natural immunity from ever getting it again that the antibodies are formed within your body that make sure that it can fight off any attempt for that virus or that disease to come back to you again now we learned this very very early on in our in our school lives but here we are in 2021 and the highest you know degreed researchers and scientists and physicians in our country refuse to acknowledge that basic scientific principle that natural immunity counts as much as or more effectively than uh than uh, uh you know uh, petri dish created uh vaccines well i would say bob it'd be nice if we could even say they're sold out to science but we know that's not true because scientifically a child is conceived at the point of conception there's a human life that begins at that point and we know that that's largely disregarded in our country in the name of quote-unquote science um but Biological science is on our side of the fight in almost every fashion, especially in the discussion about natural immunities. I mean, there are real and harmful implications of taking these shots, compounding on your natural immunity, um, taking antibodies on top of your natural. These are, this is not good medical advice. This is not sound science. It's far from that. But the problem is 
it's not about science at all. You say it all the time, and you're 100% right. It's about control. It's about compliance. And mm-hmm. we've heard Fauci say this week, when people argue with this, they're not arguing with science. Uh, they're arguing, or they're not arguing, um, they're arguing with me. They're arguing with science. He has identified himself with an idolatrous relationship with profit, a crony capitalist nature that this country has taken on and not divorced itself in the interests of its people, where some nations apparently are still willing to say enough is enough, this is not safe for the people that we serve, and we're no longer going to press this agenda, where apparently in America, the pharmaceutical interests, the interests of people like Anthony Fauci, who are unelected bureaucrats, who have never practiced directly, haven't served patients, they've been in, um, they've not been in the lab codes, they've not been in the room with the patients, they've been making government guidelines, he's basically a glorified politician, who puts his finger in the air and has more recently showed his cards on exactly who he is and how much of a liberal bent he has. It's not about getting people healthy. It's not about getting people well. If it was, they would admit how wrong they've been about the shots and the boosters and the additional boosters and the flipping and swapping between masks and no masks and gatherings and no gatherings. And if you do all of these things, if you take our marching orders, you'll get to resume your normal life. They are liars. That's all we need to know. They're not basing anything in science. They're basing it in political science and only for the effort of getting compliant populations. So will America remain the freest, bravest, strongest country on earth? Or will we become a compliant people who hand our liberties over to tyrants like Anthony Fauci, who have abused children and orphanages, not just animals, but human beings historically? Will we allow for this abuse? to be perpetuated in plain sight into our children's and our homes? And the answer from my house is a resounding no. Christina Hagan is our guest. She's a former Ohio State representative, very passionate, as I think we all should be, about what they're doing to us with respect to the latest push of fear uh, and propaganda on us through the Omicron variant. Last thing, uh, Christina, and we'll have 60 seconds for your response on this one. Joe Biden's immediate response to the discovery of, quote-unquote, Omicron uh, in South Africa was to ban travel to the United States from eight African nations. Um, completely lost upon him was the fact that he described the banning of travel from African nations as well as Asian nations, including China, under Donald Trump, was racist. It was racist and xenophobic. It was just a way to try to keep black and brown people out of the country. The media gave him a complete pass, not even a pass. They actually vocally defended him and showed the difference between Trump's ban from Africa and and Biden's ban from Africa. Um, the media continues to give him a pass and to glorify him for virtually everything he does, despite the extraordinary chaos that this country is in right now. And I know you have strong thoughts on it. Take take 60 seconds and, and respond to that. Yeah, I would just say this is one of the most eye-opening things that we've seen over the last year. This president can take the exact same and potentially even more egregious than the previous president and receive praise, glory, and honor from the media. And yet they look for any and every opportunity to call a conservative, to call the former president of the United States, President Donald Trump, who was in earnest looking for answers in the midst of something that we had never seen or faced before, trying to do what was by health measures, the right thing to do, and banning travel from the country of origin of the original COVID. 
um, calling it uh, by name the China virus, as every other major virus that had entered our country had been named by its origin as well. Yet he was racist. And somehow, somehow, Joe Biden banning travel from Africa, uh, Africa, mind you, can you imagine if President Trump banned travel from Africa? You know, we they create race issues in this country where a there was not a, an opposing race being shot in an in a implication, yet they call somebody a white supremacist who shot another white person. And they want us to believe the words that are coming out of their mouth. They want us to believe the papers that are being printed, the online headlines that are going across our Facebook scrolls and our social media feeds. They want us to believe that they actually report the truth. These people are blatant hypocrites and liars. And I've never seen such a stark contrast and their willingness to manipulate the truth than saying that this is good and this is the right thing and this is what we should do. We should exceed with caution. Yet when Trump did the exact same thing in good measure in the midst of the unknown where Biden has everything in front of him and takes the exact same action, he's honored and glorified. One was condemned, one was chastised, one was called racist, one was scorned beyond belief, and the other is king of the world. I would just say to all Americans, do not the media for sanity because you will never find it. Christina Hagen, terrific analysis as always. That's why we have you on. We appreciate your contribution as always, and we'll talk to you again next Friday. All right. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you too. 10, uh, 1052 now. We'll come right back and wrap it up on this, or uh, after this rather, and we're going to get to the bottom of that question that a caller had about what uh, Warren Davidson was really saying about Mike DeWine. Uh, in uh, our interview last half hour. We pulled the tape. We'll play it for you coming up next. Download the free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 1056. I want to kind of uh, recap... um, the conversation I had with uh, Congressman Warren Davidson at the top of this hour, uh, back at about 10.05, um, a caller said that he was a little concerned that Warren Davidson might be in cahoots with Mike DeWine. And um, uh, he's going to be attacking Jim Renacci in order to protect Mike DeWine. I said, how could you think that? Uh, he's very much more conservative than Mike DeWine. He doesn't like Mike DeWine. And he said, well, he complimented him during the interview. And he said that he, uh, Mike DeWine is, is uh, opposed to the vaccine mandate, so that's a good thing. My response was, not having remembered the tone of the response, was that I think he was saying that Mike DeWine is hypocritical because he was never uh, conservative in this regard before. So I haven't heard it yet either. My producers pulled it, so I said, let's hear it. Let me hear it again now for the first time since it was live. Go. Uh, I want to narrow scope down to the state of Ohio. Uh, I know I'm not the first to ask you this question, but I am going to be the most recent. Are you going to run for governor? You know, a good idea, poorly executed, is no longer a good idea. We've taken a hard look at it, uh, and, you know, we'll have news on that probably in the next two weeks. In the next two weeks. Okay. Any hints? You can give me anything? Just uh, Are we leaning le- leaning toward or leaning against, or are you just going to play it down the middle? Look, uh, all I can say, I am encouraged to see that Governor DeWine is now talking about his opposition to vaccine mandates. And I hope he does more things that line up with what Governor DeSantis has been doing in Florida while he's still in office. All right. I'll be honest with you, I don't know what to make of it. Now that I hear it again for the second time, I don't know what to make of it. 
It did sound complimentary, but then he also said, I wish he would do things more like my, uh, like a Ron DeSantis down in Florida, which is something that I think all of us were hoping we might get in a Jim Renacci. Or, if you're a Warren Davidson fan, in a Warren Davidson. Uh, that, you know, we need to be more like that. You know, uh, is he saying that Mike DeWine is flipping more like DeSantis? I didn't hear it that way. Um, but is he basically saying he's a hypocrite? I, I still kind of lean that way. Here's my thought. I think Warren Davidson is going to get in. And the main reason I think that is because of what he said right after that comment. Let's hear that. As you make your consideration on this, Representative Davidson, are you concerned at all uh, about two conservative-minded individuals trying to primary out Mike DeWine, yourself and Jim Renacci, would cancel each other out and allow Governor DeWine to keep his job? Yeah, I mean that's a factor. You look at it, you look at a race, and uh, you know you you have a clear contrast. I think I would say you'd have a a very clear contrast between Governor DeWine and Warren Davidson. Um, and you know Jim Renacci's trying to make the case for how clear of a contrast. All right, stop. That's the, that's the line right there. He said, you know, there is a clear contrast between me and DeWine because I'm conservative, he's not, and Jim Renacci's trying to make the case that he is. I think that little slight dig at Renacci is his way of saying, uh, I'm going to have to take Jim Renacci out if I'm going to be able to take out Mike DeWine. Uh, whether otherwise he would have supported Renacci and said, yeah, Jim Renacci's a great, solid conservative guy. Um, but since he didn't say that, my, my, my suspicion is he is going to enter this race. That's all the time we have today. Thanks to everybody. Great conversation today and all week. Have a great weekend. Let's go, Brandon.